Good morning to you. It is Friday, July 14th, 9.57 a.m. I thought I would talk a little bit about all the, the many, many sports-related news stories uh, because a lot has happened the last few weeks, even in the doldrums of summer. The news takes no break, and some of it's Purdue-related, some of it isn't, but, well, even even the stuff that's not Purdue-related is related because it's happening in the world of college sports. Big stories, you guys know all about them. Before I get to them, let me talk about uh, just a, one thing. Our sponsors take a break in the summer, too. They don't pay for us, but we think we should tell you about them because we like them a lot. So when you're on campus, if there's something big happening, if you're, if you're going up uh, just to enjoy an uh, empty campus, which I love doing, uh, head over to AJ's on Vine, eataj's.com before, get something uh, that you really like, treat yourself well, you've been walking around, you've been exercising this summer, you look great by the way, eataj's.com. And uh, here's another big thing, you, you already know that we've got Home Field as a sponsor coming up, uh, go to homefieldapparel.com. Tomorrow, they have a big release of a bunch of Purdue stuff, a bunch of Purdue gear that's new. Uh, one of my favorite things, I think, is a Peach Bowl shirt commemorating uh, a Purdue team that was uh, on the way to greatness. I think the the next year or the year after, they had the most wins ever by a Purdue team, 10 wins, something that Jay still talks about that Purdue needs to do again, of course. But having a home field apparel, enter Boiled at checkout, you'll get 15% off. Nice stuff. I'm not wearing one today because I've got a lunch thing. So, um, homefieldapparel.com, though. Uh, not officially a sponsor yet. Uh, the agreement's already in place. But not officially a sponsor, AJ's or Homefield. They're both in their offseason. But we like to tell you about them because they're pretty darn good companies. Anyway, let's talk a little bit about what's been happening. Since I talked to you last, a lot has happened, right? We've got, of course, the Bob Huggins story. Bob Huggins decided to drive hundreds of miles under the influence of alcohol, uh, then he resigned via his wife's uh, phone, via text, I guess. And then, and it, it was pretty clear, I don't know if you've read that, it said he considered this my res resignation. Then a lawyer, an agent, somebody like that said, wait a second, you didn't need to resign and you didn't officially do it. This isn't an official resignation. So now he's demanding to come back. I don't, I mean... Reminds me of George Costanza and Seinfeld, if you guys are old like me. Um, he just shows up from work, for work. Um, and uh, Huggins, though, is an interesting case because he'd already been sliding around doing some other stuff that wasn't, uh, wasn't the best look, uh, wasn't good at all. And then he um, does this, and you're like, okay, he's done. And I figure Huggins wants to coach again just because he seems like a guy who's got a lot in the tank um, and he can still win. And when he got, when, when all this stuff went down, I thought he was surely fired. I thought he'll end up in the Southwest. He'll coach at someplace like New Mexico or, you know, that seems to be a place where coaches go that need to rehab or at least finish their career who have been damaged goods. Uh, but Huggins wants to come back to West Virginia. That's an interesting story because Matt Painter is buddies with him. Purdue has done their super secret preseason games versus West Virginia quite a few times. Uh, West Virginia, of course, now has all their players heading in all directions because they're pretty sure Huggins isn't coming back, and I would go with that if I were them. He's probably not coming back, but he's trying to find a way to get a little bit of a settlement. Speaking of settlements, you guys know what's happening at Northwestern. Um, Northwestern's got scandal upon scandal happening. One, uh, they've got uh, Fitzgerald and his crew hazing. Uh, there's record of going back to 2007 of this hazing 
2007 was his first year in, at Northwestern. <clears throat> uh, some things that pretty unpleasant. Um, if you've played sports, you've probably been through some sort of hazing, but probably nothing like this. I hope you haven't ever gone through anything like this. Uh, and the fact that it's part of the thing, it's like baked into the program. This is the way they build camaraderie is incredible to me. Um, maybe I sound naive. I'm okay with sounding naive in this case. Um, but on top of that, you had problems with the baseball program, uh, bullying by the coach, some things that he had been doing also off the field were acceptable with staff members and media members. And so the story goes that Northwestern's athletic department was looking to fire the baseball coach and already had the, or, or, or get a resignation together, however they're going to do it, some sort of agreement. But they were working through that, and then the Fitzgerald stuff uh, bubbles up, and then they had to have that cut the baseball coaches firing. Um, so you have two of their major sports, both in uh, a world of hurt. Uh, their athletic director, of course, has handled it horribly, hasn't even addressed the media, hasn't come out in public at all. Can you imagine this? this is, I always try to do this. Imagine if something like this happened at Purdue and Babinski didn't come out to the media, didn't address the media, didn't talk to anybody. And I'm sure what this is is Northwestern's got a lot of lawyers around there. This is someone's legal counsel saying you can't really talk right now. And it seems to me like you're going to have the athletic director pay a price. Uh, the associate athletic director, I think, very interesting timing, had just left for the Big Ten Network, or Big Ten, pardon me, the conference. They just made an announcement the day the Fitz stuff started blowing up. If... Fitz knew as much as he knew, as it looked like he knew. If Fitz knew as much as he looked like he knew, and the AD uh, knew what he uh, looks like he knew, it seems like they're going to burn the whole place down. The AD, everybody's going to pay. There's even talk that the president of the university might pay. Uh, this, is, this is pretty crazy. This affects Purdue. For years, if you've listened to the Handsome Hour, I've joked around that Northwestern needs to be kicked out of the conference. It started years ago. I used to say that because they couldn't make an NCAA tournament in basketball. It's a joke that they never seem to get into a rhythm. I think we're seeing the golden era of Notre Dame basketball right now, which is crazy. Um, then you have this stuff in football. I'd say, well, why don't we do it now? Northwestern has never fit well in the conference. I know they've been around a long time. They are not a charter member. Neither are many teams in the conference. But I'm okay with letting this be the time where we, we cut bait. Um, I had a friend. I said that to a friend of mine. He said, no, keep them on the schedule. Now's the time, especially in the West. We got one more year of this West, uh, uh, West Division. Let Purdue play them. Play them two or three times. So that's a good, that's a good way to look at it, too, in a Purdue-centric world. Regardless, uh, this is a big story, and it's not done. Fitzgerald, of course, um, has said he's going to, in so many words, he's going to fight uh, the idea of him being fired. Um, it's, an, it's an incredible, to me, it's an incredible timeline for Fitzgerald. Two years ago, if you would have said this to me, Fitzgerald will be out at Northwestern in a couple of years, I would have thought you meant he's probably going to go play, he's going to go coach the Bears or something uh, because he was such a, you know, like two seasons ago. I mean, Northwestern was guaranteed 10 wins about every other year, if not every third year. If you look at the, the history when Fitzgerald was there, favorite son of that, uh, of, of that team, that program, and now he's out, and that's an incredible cautionary tale about if you don't do things the right way, hopefully you pay. I mean, this is where the justice side of me says, all right, if you're damaging kids, if you're making something that, uh, well, I, I mean, I, I don't want to sound, again, naive, but I, I think some of these stories are pretty gross and pretty, pretty awful. 
And so I'm glad he's out. Um, and I always liked Fitz. I'll admit it. I was way wrong. I always liked Fitz. Uh, Jay and I talk about it a lot on Handsome Hour and other times that he never liked Fitz. He just was annoyed by the guy. But I don't think he ever thought he was this guy. Or everything he thought he was this old school, if you will. I'm sure if some of you guys have comments about this. I hope you do. Uh, get into discussion about this. I think this is good stuff to talk about. Um, but I got in a discussion with somebody on Twitter about it. The guy hadn't uh, researched what he was talking about. Really bothered me. Came at me pretty hard. Uh, made it political. Um, the funny thing is I'm probably on the same side of the aisle as he is. And I thought he was being an absolute moron. Uh, just because he hadn't read enough, probably. But spout off on social media, it doesn't die. Um, <clears throat> another thing I want to talk about. Of course, Miles Colvin played for the U.S. team under 19. If you didn't keep up with that, that's okay. It's not directly Purdue related, right? But Colvin didn't play a ton of minutes. He was coming off the bench. One thing I saw from Colvin, I watched some highlights. I watched a couple games. Like I'd live look in there on at weird times, like 1030 in the morning here. Um, but one thing I saw from Colvin, he's very poised. His three-point shooting stroke is really silky. Looks really good there. A thing that I thought was really interesting about Colvin was that he's not using, or in this, in that international play, he wasn't using his athleticism. That's not much of a surprise since he was playing, especially when he was doing his high school ball. He was playing against, um, I don't want to say lower level to put people down, but the athletes aren't the same level as obviously international play. Uh, those teams are very, very good. Um, but Colvin didn't play a ton. Uh, he's finally joined his fellow Boilermakers. He's back at practice starting, what, a week and a half, two weeks ago. Um, looks good shooting the ball. Um, Purdue's getting ready to go to Europe for, a, for another one of those summer tours. I'd love to tell you that that's the, that's the formula for success for Purdue, but it's really not. Um, Purdue's gone to Europe many times. They do well. It's good for team camaraderie, I think. I don't see anything bad there. I'm sure the guys love to travel. That's very cool. Um, good benefit. But it's not like this. these teams learn something about how to make a run in a tournament because they're playing pool play or whatever in the international uh, uh, venue and the international play. Um, but I think it's good for the team. I just don't know if we can. I mean, it's such a weird period of time we're in with basketball. Let's be really honest about what we think about the basketball program. Because if you're like me, you kind of want to fast forward all the way to March and just have Purdue get that bad taste out of their mouth and get past the first, second, third round of the tournament, right? The problem is you've got a lot of basketball enjoy. I've been saying, I've been beating this drum. Enjoy it for what it is, and I mean that. Enjoy it. Enjoy the players for who they are. The team's going to be fun. They're going to be a lot more complete than last year. Um, but everybody wants to get to the postseason and see this team do better. Well, everybody wears black and gold anyway. Um, oh, yeah, there's one more thing I wanted to talk about. A couple more things I want to talk about. First one, Edie was at the ESPYs this week, if you didn't know. I don't really even know what award he was up for because I don't care about the ESPYs. Um, I'm surprised the ESPYs are still a thing. I was surprised, honestly, when I saw that. I didn't, I didn't know the ESPYs were still around. ESPN, of course, fired about 20 on-air personalities in the last few weeks. That matters because it affects college game day coming up soon. Uh, some guys were, um, I can't remember the guy's name right now, but uh, David Pollock, I think that's his name, uh, he was fired. And he was uh, kind of a mainstay of college game day. Um, Susie Colbert was fired. I was always a fan of hers. That goes back to my time in college. I think she was announced or she was, she was uh, hired by ESPN in the mid-90s. She was good. She was good at what she did. Uh, Joe Namath wanted to kiss her. Look that up if you don't know about it. <clears throat> but ESPN uh, continues to hold on by fingernails, it seems like. 
I don't know who's going to buy ESPN, but it seems to me that they're probably on the market quietly because they keep just hemorrhaging. It's incredible. That's another story that you look at, you're like, man, they absolutely had a stranglehold on the sports world a decade ago, and now they're floundering around. Last thing I want to talk about was a personal thing uh, because it was pretty cool. If you paid attention on Twitter and other social media, Purdue's, uh the football program and the athletic program in general, was talking about an event at Slim Chickens in Lafayette where you got to meet uh, the coach and a couple of players, my son, my dad, and I went up earlier this week. We got to meet Hudson Card, uh, Gus Hartwig, and uh, Coach Walters, of course. A couple takeaways. First one, Hudson Card's really, really good dude. Seems like just a nice guy. Hartwig is an amazingly humble acting person. Very quiet way about him. Seems very intelligent. Uh, not much to say. You're smart, smarter than me, but he seems notably smarter than me. Um, very, very candid, honest answers uh, he gave about the program um, and about the state of things. He enjoys the feel of the program right now. You remember he's been around. He was around Brom for, I mean, I talked to him about eligibility. I think he said he, he can have two more seasons. He doesn't know what he's going to do. Uh, in case you're looking for an insider tip there. He doesn't know what he's going to do. Uh, but it's nice that he stayed because Purdue had so much change in the trenches, in the offensive line specifically. Um, there's a lot of building they're going to have to do. And this is my biggest concern on this team is that, remember, Purdue lost the second most players in, uh, in college football this offseason. Colorado had more attrition than Purdue. That's a lot to recover from, and I think they got a lot of talented guys that came in, a lot of, uh, a lot of good guys still coming in, uh, but that's a lot to get used to. Uh, Coach Walters is aware that uh, it's hard to get everybody on the same page this quickly, but at the same time, he's done a pretty good job getting guys together. He is a very uh, comfortable person when you talk to him. If you've ever talked to him in person, he seems almost uh, – I, I like Coach Brom. I've been clear about that. Um, Coach Brom was not a comfortable guy when he was talking to people he didn't know. He was he was fine. He wasn't like a jerk. He wasn't uh, twitchy or anything. Um, but Walters is very, very calm, very cool, laid, ba laid back, um, doesn't seem to, like, he doesn't react to things quickly as you say them. I didn't, I asked him a couple questions that um, I wasn't trying to get a gotcha thing or anything like that. I told him that I had a uh, podcast and a Twitter feed that had fine people like you guys who were, who were, um, who would tune in and, um, and I told him that you guys are, you can tell me if, I, if I'm wrong in the comments or over here in the margin, but what I said is Purdue fans are excited about him being here, but also understand that it's going to take a little bit of time. In my opinion, I think Purdue getting to six wins would be a big deal. Uh, the schedule is tough, and you're bringing in a lot of new parts. And we talked about Hudson Card. Number one, my wife thinks he's the most handsome Purdue quarterback since Austin Appleby. That's big news to you guys. Um, she liked that my son and I got to meet him like the pictures. Uh, I was, of course, uh, incensed because she's got this guy all the time. She's got, she gets to look at this every day. So that's, that's, you know, that, that, that hurt my feelings. Hudson Card also, the one thing that, um, that struck me is he's, he's tall. If you look, if you've seen, I, I posted, uh, pictures, if you follow my family feed on Instagram, he's tall. Somebody joked on, uh, Twitter. I posted there too, said, I, I didn't know coach Walters was six foot seven. That's a hilarious comment. 
is also hurtful. You guys hurt me, cut me up a lot. Um, but uh, no, he, uh, Coach Walters towers over me as everybody does. Of course, Hudson Card towers over me. Gus Hartwood towered over me. When I see it in pictures, see, like when I talk to him, I'm used to always having a little bit of look up, you know, when I, I'm short, I'm five foot four. Um, but talking to guys like that, you know, I don't really realize how tiny I am until I see the pictures and then I'm like, yeah, this is awful. Um, I'm waiting for a growth spurt. I turn 48 soon, guys, so I think it's still possible. But um, yeah, one thing I thought was also cool, I said that uh, Walters was very, very laid back and very conversational. I asked him about his surgery, I asked him how he's feeling, said so he's feeling better. He just got back from vacation with his family. But he showed me the scar on the inside of his left foot, ankle, Achilles right there. And my son has had a surgery recently on his right in the same exact place on the medial side, and they compared scars, which is kind of funny. They have very similar scars. I think Coach Walter's injury, his surgery is, was a lot more serious. Um, my son's was something to, uh, he had to have done, but both gnarly scars, though, and I'm a wimp. And so I passed out right there. I just fainted right in the parking lot of Slim Chickens and uh, was revived by my dad and son. That's a lie. Oh, anyway, okay, I'm going to get to a couple comments here. Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, I, I appreciate everybody who's tuning in live, and I'll pre I appreciate everybody who's going to listen to it on delay. But uh, let's see what you guys have to say. Ted Berkey's here. Good to see you, Ted. Um, hope you're doing well. All good here. Greg McManus, old pal, good morning, sir. Um, let's see. Ancient Astronauts here. Ultimate Boiler's here. Todd Singer's here. Uh, uh, <laughs> Todd Singer says, driving under the influence is frowned upon, uh, referencing... Huggins, I, I believe so. I believe that is not at all okay. So, yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah, Greg McManus talking about Huggins a little bit more. Ultimate Boiler here uh, saying uh, maybe Huggins can coach football at Northwestern. See, this is, this is the type of creative problem solving a lot of athletic departments need. So you should sound off. You know, Twitter is how you can get your big uh, megaphone out and just let put, put Northwestern on blast. Let them know. What's happening? Um, let's see. Anybody else here? That a lot of good stuff. Um, let's see. Uh, Scott Justak um, says he's excited. Uh, the coach is here. Got to be patient. Right on, Scott. Um, really appreciate you guys turning in. Let's tune in. There's one more here. Uh, Randall uh, Randall Kidnig says, "Good to see you, Boiler Down. Been quite a while." Yep. It's it, the summer. If you don't know Randall and others. Um, isn't the busiest time around the Boiled Sports headquarters. Um, I don't try to manufacture stories. Never been my style. If you go back, you can look at the history. For a while, when Jay and Tim, one of the original founders, and I, we would do different weird stuff in the summer, and we thought it was fun. Nobody cared about it. Like we would, those guys used to go to baseball stadiums, and they would talk about those stadiums. I would talk about other sports, IndyCar. Um, I like IndyCar a lot. They make fun of me for IndyCar. Um, Wow, ancient astronaut says he thinks we get three to four wins in football. That is a uh, that is a conservative uh, way to look at it. It's not. It's really. We, I say this all the time. We really don't know what the team's going to look like because of all the variables. We don't know how these teams are going to how the team is going to gel. There's so many new guys. The wide receiver core, except for what two guys, is going to be leaning on a lot of new production. Um, I would love to see Abdur. Uh, uh, Rockman, gosh darn it, gosh darn it, my brain is so good. Um, help me, somebody. I'm floundering out here. Um, but I'd like to see some of the guys that have not yet 
um, flourished, do some big things. But you're guessing. That's the thing. And this is the fun thing. You can do this in sports. You can say, yeah, that guy is poised to be great. Poised for a breakout season, whatever. But like I said, you only have two receivers returning. Uh, Yassine. Dag Nabbit, Todd Singer, thank you. Todd Singer, Singer is always is like the uh, unofficial co-host of the QuickCast. Uh, Yassine. I don't know what happens in my brain, Todd. And I'm on coffee right now, too. Um, but Yassine is a guy that I have been saying for two years that I think he's the guy who's going to break out and do something. Because we saw that one, what, 200-yard game a couple years ago. Um, but he had injuries. He's had a lot of stuff he has to deal with. He's got a lot of tools in the shed. But it hadn't happened. Purdue has transfers that are in that um, – uh, is it Canyon uh, from Auburn is a guy that a lot of people are excited about. He could be the one. But just the receiver core alone is a place where you'd say, wow, they've, they've, got, to, they've got to have some things fall their way, right? Um, you just have to. Tight ends. You have some things fall, they have to fall their way. Obviously, their most productive tight end is now in the NFL. The, the starter is coming off injury, Miller. Um, coming off injury, so hopefully he's doing well. Um, hopefully he's ready. But then after him, you got a bunch of guys who are pretty green. Um, the offensive line is a group that's going to be, you're going to have a couple guys, a couple names you know, but a lot of new names and faces. The defensive backfield is going to be monstrous because um, that's a point of um, importance to Walters. He's got guys <coughs> transferring in. Then after that, well, we can't even talk about two years from now, but the defensive backfield is going to be great at Purdue uh, in a hurry. And I think the defense is going to be good in a hurry. Um, Nick Carraway changed his name to uh, his dad's name um, publicly. I don't know if, what his legal name was, but Nick Carraway is a guy that I think, gosh darn it, I think his name's Stouter. Um, somebody can correct me on that too. I don't have my, that on my notes in front of me. But I think he's a guy that probably if you want to bet on an all big 10 player on the defense, that's my guy. That's the guy that I think he could absolutely wreak havoc in the system. He's an outside linebacker slash defensive end, depending on what they'll do with him. He'll be roaming around. He'll be doing a lot of things. He'll be, um, I don't want to say freestyling because this defense is actually, there's a structure it works within. It just looks like guys are freestyling a lot, but it gives them the ability to make plays from different places on the field. Caraway showed he's got, a lot of tools, another thing. Not, just a lot of uh, skill. The whole point is there's a lot of things that have to gel for Purdue to be good. So three to four wins is not outlandish. Getting to six, seven wins. We had people on Twitter saying, oh, I'm, I got eight. I'm like, mercy, God bless you. That's great. I would never discourage optimism. But wow, uh, it's a lot. Also, one thing I didn't talk about, the expansion of Ross 8 or the addition of Ross 8. I think it is expansion. Actually, this seating does go up again for the first time in a long time. Um, it looks great. It's going to be done on time. Every, there's just wild assurances. Everybody's saying it's going to be done on time. The weather's been nothing but cooperative for that project. If you're looking for just dry, warm weather to get things done, Ross 8 is just chugging along. And so the new look Ross 8 is going to be pretty awesome. I, I, I think I was wrong. And you hear me admit I'm wrong a lot, but I think I was wrong about, about the, the effect, the visual effect, the feel of Ross Aid with this edition. It's going to be pretty great. And I know I talked it down really badly when the first sketches were renewed. Partially, though, I'm a, I'm a product designer. Those computer renderings sucked. I'm going to be just real honest. They, they were horrible. And maybe the people who are doing the work, the engineering company, the architecture company, whoever it is, just doesn't 
put a lot of weight into that, which is funny because we're in an era where you better damn well put a lot of weight into 3D renderings because they're they're the face of your company. But they didn't. And now it looks like they're pretty darn good at just building stuff. The stadium's going to be pretty nice. And that's really, really good to see. I can't wait to um, to go back to ross and be there with you guys for the first game. That's about all I got for you today. Um, thanks for tuning in live. Thanks for uh, listening delayed. And... Um, we're getting closer. Summer doldrums are, are, I think we're over the top, and now we're just, we're flying. We're flying towards kickoff of uh, what the week zero, as they say. God bless you. Hammer down. Have a great day. We'll see you.